Amazon's got everything you need for your dorm. From everyday essentials and school supplies, to clothes and decor, to bedding for... Power naps. And regular naps, too. Save on all things college at Amazon. Buffalo Wild Wings has specials on food from 3 to 6, Monday through Friday, and great deals on drinks all day. It's the perfect way to offset a long day. Text that hilarious joke about your boss to your boss. What? No, no. Try a $3 Wild Herd by Goose Island. Set your morning alarm for 6 p.m. That calls for $5 strawberry margaritas. So if you ask your phone why you're still single and... Ha, ha, ha. Seriously? Head to Buffalo Wild Wings. At participating locations, taxes and fees apply. Dine-in only. Drink responsibly. Offers vary by location. Void where prohibited. Hello there, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. And well done to everybody who had a guess on this week's episode. I promised I would give a shout out to anybody who got it right, and the winner, the only person who got it right, was Shannon. So congratulations, Shannon. This week we are covering Matthew Hopkins, the Witchfinder General. Now, very strange name. And it's a self-title. He gave it to himself. We did have some good guesses, though. Uh, Roger Knoll, uh, obviously the Inquisitor from the Pendle Witch Trials, is a very good guess. Reverend Paris, this is something I actually had to look up afterwards. Uh, again, a very good guess. Uh, not right, though, obviously. The Pied Piper. Um, wasn't sure about that one. I thought that might have been a joke. But the next one, uh, John Smith... Um, I've looked at the pictures of John Smith from the original uh, colony in Virginia. Very, very good guess. Very similar picture. Uh, unfortunately, not right this week. We are covering the possibly one of the most evil men, I would say, in, in uh, this era. It's a strange story. And the weird thing about this story is what we've got to remember is that Matthew Hopkins believed that everything he was doing was right. He was not an evil man. He was not a nasty man. He just had that belief that everything he was doing was for the grace of God. And you've got to remember the time period we're talking. We're talking 17th, mid-17th century Britain. Very, very difficult time to to be alive. Uh, you're in the midst of a civil war, which was uh, between 1642 and 1651, in which the parliamentarians uh, won and actually overthrew the, the throne. And this is something that I will cover for uh, a later episode, because the, the civil war is is pretty amazing it's between the royalists and the parliamentarians um and it's basically those who believed in the royal family and those who wanted to go in a different direction and we had a very very strange 17th century in britain and then you add in the fact that we had these witch trials and we had a king at the start of the 17th century who was totally paranoid you know james the first was totally paranoid and, and completely scared 
of witches and of evil and he you know he brought out the books if you've listened to the last episodes you'll know um his book on demonology he brought out his own version of the bible which um you know a quite clear line in the bible is uh, thou shalt not uh let a witch live or thou shalt not so, uh, i can't remember basically the the point of it is thou shalt not let a witch live in essence so there was a period in britain where looking for witches became quite a quite an important pastime especially when you're talking about the transition britain was going through when you're looking at this transition itself you're looking at how the religion was changing in the country how we were becoming very very orthodox and very strict on religion uh, very similar to the pilgrims in america and how um you know the original settlers and how they wanted to uh, to deal with things there this uh, stems from this era you know the, the salem witch trials in the late 17th century um 1692 to 93 it it has a big impact on what is happening in britain you know britain whatever you know whether you you agree or disagree or, or whether you like it or not unfortunately uh, britain colonized america and britain a lot of americans there were there to get away from what was going on at home um, but unfortunately the ideologies and what they could see going on that did travel across you know the mindset didn't change so the uh, there were a lot of witch trials in new england uh, and around the massachusetts area in around 1652 as well there, there were some really really quite quite important things that actually happened the problem is is it's again that with these witch trials and with everything that we we know about witch trials and things like this it's all completely overshadowed by salem it's all completely overshadowed by the fact that the salem witch trials were so well documented they were so well preserved through history that they really took over things like this you know we don't we don't really know much about the witch finder general we don't know much about matthew hopkins we don't even know when he was born we can have a rough guess and it was around the 1620s but we don't know for sure when he was actually born according to wikipedia he was actually born in 1620 and he died in 1647 but again like i said that that is open to interpretation we're not 100 percent sure on this now it is believed that he began his uh, witch-finding career in 1644. So this is a man who is 24 years old at the time. He is not an old man. He has not been doing this for a very long time. But he is pretty pretty convinced that this is what he is put on the earth to do. He's pretty certain that the being a witch-finder, that's his role in life. And just to put it into a bit of perspective for you... We'll look at England in the early 15th century and the late 18th century. There were fewer than 500 executions in England during this time. Now, this is a long time. We're talking 300 plus years. And in the two years, just two years between 1644 and 1646, Matthew Hopkins, the Witchfinder General, is claimed to have uh, been responsible for the executions of over 100 of these witches. So, 500, one-fifth of the all executions of witches within a 300-year period are uh, narrowed down to just a two-year period 
with Matthew Hopkins. And that just gives you an idea of why he got the name the Witchfinder General. Why I, I say he got the name. He didn't get the name. He gave himself the name. That's how, you know, proud he was of himself. He, he gave himself the name. But like I said, there is very, very little known about Matthew Hopkins before 1644. We know that his family was born in Great Wernham, or Wenham, uh, which is in Suffolk. Now, Suffolk is a very, very strict parliamentarian town at the uh, county, sorry, not town, at this time. And it was, when you look at the religious sects in the country in the 17th century, the parliamentarians were the stricter sides. Um, you know, when they actually got into power, Oliver Cromwell even banned Christmas. Just to, uh, if you, any of you guys remember back to the Christmas episode that we did, you'll possibly remember that. So that's a bit of an idea on how, you know, how crazy England was at the time. It just really didn't have much, much going for it. And when you look at this, you're looking at he's born in a town that is very, very strict religion. And he was the fourth son of six children. His father was James Hopkins, who was a Puritan clergyman. So again, he was brought up very, very strict religion. And we tend to find when things go like this, that it, religion does have a big part to play in it. Um, and especially when we look back through history, and a lot of people believe in that they are doing, in quote, God's work. Because if I'm not religious, and I'm sure most of you do realize that I'm not religious in any way, shape, or form. Um, however, even I know that the sixth commandment is thou shalt not kill. So the fact that he's ordering people to death, to me, it's a very strange one. But again, when you, you sort of say you're doing God's work, it's got to be within those commandments, I think. So uh, regardless of, of what anybody else thinks of him... I personally don't believe he's doing God's work. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure everybody listening to this who has condemned over a hundred women and men and children, let's remember there were children uh, who were also convicted of witchcraft to death, is probably not doing God's work. Anyway, we're digressing a little bit. Now, the reason we don't know a huge amount about him prior to this is there is not very much information. There is a parish record of uh, three sons from uh, Mr. Hopkins, uh, his father, James Hopkins. He had a, a, a like a parishioner's register um, that had said that he had three um three sons three children James John and Thomas so this was in 1619 so it's we assume that he would have been born well definitely was born after that but again we don't know exactly when <clears throat> so this suggests that basically when he died in uh, 1647 he could either have been 28 or he could have been as young as 25 which would have meant he started witch hunting at 18 years old Again, we do not know exactly when he was born. We just know that it wasn't before 1619. So you can work it out for yourselves. But I think roughly 1620, you're looking at a 24-year-old man. Realistically, at that age, I think he would have been in a position to probably have a bit more sway than an 18-year-old. That's just my opinion. So I, I think uh, around 1620 
was probably right. We know that at a young age, uh, as a young man in the, the early 1640s, so again, we're not exactly 100% sure on the dates with this. We just know it, it's a very hard one. When you look at history, I've always said this, history can be interpreted when there are no solid facts. And this is one where we can't necessarily claim how anything about him this you know we don't know his age we don't know if he moved this is in uh, i said in the early 19 uh, 1640s sorry he moved to manningtree in essex we cannot confirm if it was the early 1640s whether he moved in 1639 we don't know you know we just know around that time he moved to manningtree which is a town in essex it's about 10 miles from where he was born so it's not a huge a huge distance but in those days that wasn't a five minute car ride that was a pretty pretty full day's worth of work to get to get across so it was uh, a big change for him and it was said that he was left a little bit of money for him to buy an inn so in in essence that is a pub or a public house or potentially if you're an american it could be equivalent of a bar that sort of thing now this was said to be where he uh he committed his trials where he presented evidence for his trials sorry not presented he acquired evidence for his trials and it was suggested that he was a lawyer of some form now the reason we don't assume, we don't think that matthew hopkins was a lawyer we think he was more likely to work for a lawyer or work in a law firm now the reason for this is if he was a lawyer he would have had a lot more knowledge than what he did have but also there would be records of him as a lawyer which there aren't so we make the assumption in this case that due to that the fact that he had a lot of legal knowledge and the fact that he used a lot of legal methods whilst he was as a witch hunter when he brought these witches to trial we make the assumption that he either knew a hell of a lot about the law or he had inside knowledge on them now following the pendle witch trials which obviously we covered last week and what was known as the lancashire witch trials which actually went on till 1634 it was ordered that there needed to be more evidence to secure a conviction on a witch in other words you couldn't just say well i saw her therefore she's a witch and that's how many people were convicted prior to sort of 1640 they were just purely on the basis of i saw her do it therefore she did it that sort of thing after that they brought in a thing called the examination of a body where they would check for which we did cover slightly in the last episode they would check for devil's marks now these devil's marks can be anything okay they can literally be anything a mole a wart a boil a third nipple is just anything that they believed would feed the devil and this is something that made the job very very easy uh, for matthew hopkins and now his teammate uh, a man named john stern now they were both avid puritans and 
believed, like I said, that what they were doing was God's work. Now, prior to this point, a witch had to do something malicious. So in the case of the Pendle Witch Trials, we know that a girl caused a man to have a stroke. And that is why she was believed to be a witch. Now, obviously, looking back on things now, we know that, realistically, she didn't cause that because she's a witch. She caused that because she probably muttered something under her breath or had an argument with him or scared the living crap out of him. Um, But, you know, they didn't know that at the time. There was pretty much irrefutable evidence to convict that woman. And the rest were pretty much convicted on a uh, you-know-her basis, that sort of thing. Um, It's not something... I mean, nowadays, obviously, this sort of thing would, would never happen. It's very strange to to even say the words of well you know her therefore you're a witch as well it just doesn't really roll off the tongue very easily but unfortunately that was the case because of this they wanted more evidence and that is where they brought in the book about demonology now, obviously this had been used prior to this and it was now pretty much essential that they weren't going to kill anybody unless they had evidence real hard proof evidence that this woman has a wart therefore she's a witch another thing they also needed was a confession in other words for those of you who may not be completely clued up on the word confession the reason i say this is because i do have a lot of international listeners who i'm guessing are not english Uh, a confession is essentially you saying i did that so in a court yes i am guilty yes i did that now in england at this time torture was illegal no matter what you read throughout your history books or whatever you are aware of of 1600 uh, torture procedures they were not allowed okay and this was something that shocked me a little bit because i've been to the dungeons the london dungeons the york dungeons and things like this where they show you the torture methods that they used to use just because they did them doesn't mean they were allowed to do them and confessions under torture were seemed wrong basically you couldn't if you got your confession through torture it was null and void okay it was was not acceptable so they came up with different ideas this is hopkins and stern they came up with different ideas for torture which were not necessarily torture um well i say they weren't torture they were they were not worded as torture so one of them was called walking all right doesn't sound very bad doesn't sound bad at all really well i didn't torture i just walked her correct you did however to gain this uh, information what they would do is they would keep somebody awake in other words uh you know they'd watch them so they called it walking or watching another one was called watching um which essentially they would wake them up and walk them around so as you can imagine sleep deprivation is a form of torture however they're not calling it sleep deprivation they're calling it watching or walking so they say well you know i did get uh i did get evidence your honor uh she was walking you know we we didn't torture her we 
we just made her walk around a little bit and you know she gave us a confession one of the most famous ones of these was a lady called elizabeth clark now she was uh, uh, the wife of a, a tailor in manningtree she was 80 years um she was she was an old woman and she was watched in quotations uh for several days and nights and she was then confessing to hopkins and stern um about this you know this about her witchy ways um she actually implicated other women as well uh, a woman named Anne West and her daughter Rebecca Anne Leach, Helen Clark and Elizabeth Gooding um, then she also named a few a few other women from different villages and this is where Matthew Hopkins then realised all of a sudden that he had a massive epidemic of witches and it wasn't just Manningtree that had it it was all over the southeast of England, and this is where he conducted most of his trials. They were around the southeast, they were around Suffolk, Essex, and Norfolk area. In fact, Elizabeth's confession uh, actually imprisoned 35 women um, because of what she said. So you can imagine the the relief, I suppose, in in their face when they realise that they're not just caught one witch. But this one which had given up many others. Now, during her testimony, uh, Elizabeth Clark gave a list of her familiars. Now, for those of you who don't know a huge amount about witchcraft, a familiar is an animal that they that did their bidding. I suppose is is the best way of putting it. Um, she had a white dog with sandy spots called Jamana, uh, Vinegar Tom, which was a greyhound uh, who turned into a four-year-old boy with no head, a black imp, for those of you who don't know what an imp is, it's it's like a fairy, um, Noose, which is a polecat with a large hat, a large head, sorry, Holt, a white imp, um, and these white imps actually uh, went to bed with her as uh, gentlemen. Um, she also had three brown imps from her mother and a black rabbit called Sack and Sugar. So, yeah. There were other familiars that are just strange names um, that were from other prisoners at the time. Um, there was one called El Mazur, Piwacket, Peck in the Crown, and Grizzle Greedy Gut. So these were these women had confessed to having familiars with this name, these names, which sounds really strange, doesn't it? It sounds, you know, what what a weird thing to to say. But these women are sleep deprived, and they're not really thinking straight. So when they come up with names, they, they're they either making the names up, in which case, you know, they're condemning themselves to death, or they are literally just naming their pets with weird names, uh, or a friend's pet, or, you know, someone else that they, you know, it, it might not necessarily be a legitimate familiar, but it is enough of a confession for Matthew Hopkins 
to basically to put the noose around their neck. The advantage that Matthew Hopkins and Stern had at this time, especially in 1645, was that the Civil War had started and people weren't really, they weren't really interested in the sense of they didn't, they didn't care so much that he was torturing these women uh, and men. You know, they, they didn't really care that he was doing that because they had bigger things to worry about. I mean, during this, like I said, there were 35 uh, women that were arrested after Elizabeth's confessions. Uh, four actually died in prison and 19 were hung. You know, that's just out of those 35. Um, and it's just, it's very strange to think that, uh, you know, out of these women who, who died, there were no records to show any person charged of witchcraft being sentenced to death. Um, so th- it was they weren't charged with it they confessed to it and that's very important to remember Hopkins and Stern were accompanied by women who did a practice called pricking now it's not as funny as it sounds what they would do is they would find a witch as they toured around the south of England and when they found her they would prick her with a sharp needle or a knife if she jumped or screamed, that would be evidence that uh, she was not a witch. Because Now, this is important because you can poke somebody with a knife and make them not bleed. You can poke someone with a needle and make them not bleed. So, it's very... It's not really a... a you know, it's not a, it's not a standard way of, of telling... And it's not necessarily the most legitimate or legal way either. However, this is what they did. And what they did, they did it because they wanted to make a sceptical of it. So they went around. They also did a thing called swimming, which I'm sure many of you are probably aware of. Which is where they would tie the thumb of a, uh, a woman or a man accused of being a witch... They would tie either the right thumb to the left big toe or the left thumb to the right big toe and bound them across and then drag them through a river. If they died, they were not a witch. And if they survived, it was because the baptism that they had was now null and void and therefore the water couldn't penetrate them and therefore they were a witch. This went again with the sense of what you would have known as ducking. Ducking was an American, Americanized version. The other way they used to do it was throw these people into the lake or into a river. And if they drowned, if they sunk to the bottom, then they weren't a witch. Um, but if they floated, then that was because the devil was repelling the water away from them. So these were, these were done as skepticals. So you've got to remember, in this time period in England, there's not much to be proud of. I'm not saying these guys were proud of, of the witch hunters, but there was not much to to sort of get yourself out of bed in the morning. There was a civil war going on. You were either on one side or the other, and there was no entertainment, really. you know. And these guys then said, well, we'll come to your town and we will rid you of all your witches. And when we do it, 
we are going to make a sceptical of it. You are going to be able... Sorry, not sceptical. A spectacle. They, You are going to enjoy it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be entertaining. And when we're finished, you'll have no witches in your town. So, people actually... Or towns actually paid to have Matthew Hopkins and John Stern come to their town and rid them of witches. Um, you know... They said that his fees were around 20 shillings a town. Now, the records at Stowmarket, uh, which is just one other town, shows that they were, that the town itself paid 23 pounds plus his travel expenses. Now, 23 pounds and travel expenses doesn't sound like a lot of money, but in, that's just one town. And nowadays, 23 pound is worth 3,800 pounds. So what he would do, if we can work on the basis that he's probably taking somewhere between two and a half thousand and three and a half thousand pounds per town, and they could be in a town for maybe five days, that and that's a lot of money. Do you know what I mean? This is a lot of money that they were making. Now, he uh, Matthew Hopkins actually did a book um, a few years later. Um, which was called The Discovery of Witches. Now, you can actually still get this book. Um, so he made this book, and, and in his book, he basically claimed that he never took any money more than what was uh, required for him to stay in the town, and you know he made no profit out of it, basically, was what he was trying to say. Um, but the, the cost to the local community was such that in 1645 um, a special local tax right had to be levied in Ipswich just to pay for the uh, the witch trials um, you know and this is similar activities uh, in Bury St Edmunds um, these are other towns in Suffolk where you know he went in and, and took money and, and this is really really important to remember that the money was a big factor in it. It was a huge factor in it. And and if people hadn't realised this at the time, they certainly realised after. Hence why his career was only two years long. Now, like I said, some of the methods that he did um, were were quite were quite bad, really. Um, you know, the swimming was 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 pretty bad. Um, not a nice thing to go through. Um, guilty or not guilty even if you uh you know it's not necessarily that these people drowned and died but you can drown and not die um but it's not a nice experience um i'm assuming a lot of them did did die um and that you know that's again it, oh yeah well she's not a witch but she's dead anyway you know it's just it's crazy to think that this was actually acceptable um but then again, you know, to the letter of the law, none of this was acceptable. None of this was allowed. But people just didn't care. You know, they didn't. They just weren't interested in this. Um, they wanted that confession. They wanted that person to come out and say, "All right, fine, I'm a witch." And you know, if that meant that they had to drag them through a, a river, if that meant they had to prick them with knives and um, pins that would create 
um, you know, create these marks for them or prove that because they didn't bleed, therefore they're not a witch. And, you know, the other thing about it is to find these devil's marks, you know, I have, me personally, I have a birthmark on the side of my head. Now, it's not very obvious unless I shave my head. Now, I'm sure most of you have probably just gone, shave your head, okay, fair enough. If you can imagine the 1600s, where they would pick this woman, or man, or child, and say, you're a witch, we're going to look for a mark, well, they have to shave everything. So, if you're a woman who is quite, you know, confident with their hair, you know, I think this is something that's been around for years and years and years, women have always... Um, had long hair and back in these days men had long hair as well um i know a lot of men do have long hair now but i mean it, it was the norm for men to have long hair back then they would shave your hair off you the you know just so they could look for this mark um so even if they didn't find something it was pretty degrading to then have to walk around town for the next few years with with no hair or very very short hair and you know there were there were opposition for this, you know, people, this wasn't something that every town was, yeah, we've got the witch finder general coming to us, a lot of people sort of saw through the lines, realised that this was a money-making scheme, realised that he, he wasn't really doing God's work, and he wasn't really that nice of a person, and, you know, there was, there were, like I said, there were oppositions to it, um, in fact, in, uh, in a town called uh, St. Neots, there was a woman who was held um, under witchcraft um, and a man named uh, John Gall, who was a vicar, um, actually interviewed her um, and then basically put his findings to, to the courts and said it was unlawful course of torture. Um, and it, you know, this was in uh, 1466 where 1466, I do this all the time, I don't know why you guys even listen, 14... 1646 I will get it right 1646 this happened and it was then that people started to actually look into them you know this this had gone into a courtroom and somebody had actually stood up in court and gone hang on a minute this is wrong they've been doing this it's illegal it's torture and it's unlawful and it shouldn't be allowed and Lo and behold, the following year, 1647, they retired. So, it's, uh, yeah, we can make the assumption that when people really started looking into them, that was when they stopped. Um, obviously, Matthew Hopkins also died in 1647. We don't really know the circumstances around his death. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a, a very, turmoiled time in Britain he like I said he was responsible for the death of over 100 witches and when we talk about a 300 year period of people being executed for witchcraft there were only roughly 500 people executed in the two years that Matthew Hopkins and John Stern were around as self-proclaimed witchfinder generals um, yeah they killed one-fifth of all the people in 300 years one fifth of them were killed in a two year period they they did believe and I, and I do still believe that 
having seen the book that he brought out, he, it, it's, I say a book, it's known as a pamphlet. Um, in other words, it's a small book. Um, it was very, very detailed, very, very important. And I do not believe that he was an evil man. And I know that's really controversial because everything I've said makes him sound like an, an absolute twat. Um, I don't actually think he was. I do think he was completely blinded by the fact that he had a very, very strict religious upbringing. Um, Britain was in a very, very turmoiled religious time. And I do genuinely think that he believed he was doing the right thing. Um, and that that's quite quite a scary thought, I think, really, to think that someone can get away with killing you know, over 100 people because he thinks he's doing the right thing and and this goes down to uh you know a lot of a lot of things like serial killers even um a lot of them believe they're ridding the world of sin and things like that so there is you know that there's a lot of things that the mental mind I don't think can comprehend and and I think Matthew Hopkins is uh, is one of those that I don't think we will ever really understand much about him um like I did touch on at the start of the episode, uh, the colonial impact of Matthew Hopkins. Um, and when his book was uh, published, uh, The Discovery of Witches, um, the actual practices that he published were recommended in law in New England. Um, in fact, the first woman in New England um, to, to actually be uh, tried, convicted and executed um, was a woman named Al Alsi or Alice or uh, Al Alsi Young A L S E. I'm not sure how, how that's pronounced. Alsi Young. Um, she was uh, convicted in Connecticut, in Windsor, in Connecticut, um, in 1647, and this was followed by Margaret Jones, who was also um, convicted and hung. Now Jones's execution was the first in the witch hunt. Uh, in New England that lasted from 1648 until 1663 and in this time there was roughly 80 people throughout New England who were accused of practicing witchcraft and 15 women and two men were executed in that time again Hopkins methods for witchcraft was used then it was also used in 1692 in Salem Massachusetts where 19 women were executed and one man was pressed to death for refusing to make a plea. So 20 people were killed in Salem and that's why it's so famous and the man pressed to death because he refused to enter a plea. That was, um, again, a very, very famous uh, story um, in America. Well, in, in every country, you have to make a plea. You're either guilty or not guilty. If you refuse to make a plea... And this is this is what happened to him. He was uh, put under a big rock, and more weight was put on top until he was crushed. Um, so yeah, um, that was Hopkins' methods that created these trials. And like I said, you can make the decision on on what you think about him. Whether you think he was. Um, Delude, or he's definitely deluded, and whether you think he was doing what he believed was right, or whether he was just a complete psychopath, um, you know, there's two ways of looking at it, really, isn't there? 
So that is the story of Matthew Hopkins, the Witchfinder General, and his over 100 victims. Uh, like I said, there's not a huge amount known about him in regards to how old he was, um, where he really, where, what happened to him in his early years. We only really know around the 1640s and the last sort of seven or eight years of his life. But we do know the impact of what happens after he did what he did. Um, you know, and, and the impact of him himself, you know, to just to think that someone can essentially get away with what he got away with is is crazy. It's uh yeah, I think it's a bit of a different story this week. I think it was a little bit of a follow on from the Pendle Witch trials. And we can see, like I said, the Pendle Witch trials were very, very important in British history. Very, very important in witch trial history. However, when we compare the handful of people that were killed at the Pendle trials compared to the over 100 that were killed within that year, or two years, sorry, um, that Matthew Hopkins was convicting people, there's a there's a vast difference. Um, he was, yeah, well, he was whatever you want to think he was. I personally, like I said, don't think he was evil. I think he was mentally deranged. Um, I don't think he was evil. I think he just didn't really understand. And nowadays we understand a lot of things i know there are still people out there who believe uh in magic um i am not one of them if you are one of them i i do apologize if you you know you've been offended by this um i know that one of the podcasts i listen to um the woman who does that podcast she is actually a practicing witch I have no issues with that whatsoever, but I think there is uh, a fine line between witchcraft and real magic. Um, I don't think I don't think that that exists. My personal opinion. Have your own opinion. We're all we all have them. We're all entitled to them. So uh, yeah, I thought I would end this episode with a little bit of a shout out for next week because we have got a really really interesting episode next week. Uh, we are joined again by my father. Now, I've had a lot of requests for him to come back on, and I will be doing it because uh, we have, well, he has researched an episode that I didn't know a huge amount about. So, this is something I find very, very interesting. I am a massive fan of the American Civil War. I really, really enjoy learning about the American Civil War. It's something that's fascinated me. Um, because of how modern it is in essence to a civil war so majority of civil wars tended to happen um you know later uh, in a later period so like the english civil war was 1645 um it, you know a lot of civil wars tended to happen around that time um it's one again with the french revolution that was the 1800s as well i find those types of of civil wars really really interesting um and the american civil war to me um i find fascinating what this episode is something about the american civil war that i didn't know now i'm assuming some of you guys may know about it and some of you may not know about it 
So I will be putting a, a an image up this week. And you let me know if you guys, if you know what it is. So if you do, have a guess. If you don't, have a guess anyway. Uh, that's, the, that's the fun of it. You know, have a look. I mean, these... When I put these pictures up, it does tell me roughly a sort of 100 and 120 to 150 people on the group actually see it. I only ever get about five or six comments. So, you know, if you're listening to the podcasts, get involved. Have a look on it. Now, I will plug my Patreon this week again. Um, for probably the last week, I have signed up to the Apple subscriptions. Now, I don't know exactly how it will work yet but it is it is ready to go as of the 1st of March I don't know the ins and outs of it so nobody sign up to it until I know exactly what's going on with it um, because potentially there's not going to be anything on there yet now your Patreon is the extra episodes that we do, the Patreon is what keeps me going as a podcast it keeps me in business and it is you guys giving something back for all the free work that we do because these podcasts uh, they don't make money unless it's through subscriptions like patreon or what's going to be the new apple subscription service we uh, the adverts are put on by the company that hosts my podcast um, when we go on to apple subscription and on patreon there are no adverts so if you're getting fed up of listening to the adverts there will be no adverts on these podcasts the Apple subscription will be uh, similar to Patreon. You will be getting all your episodes that you get here uh, on Apple subscription but without the adverts. And you will also get access to the extra episodes which are on Patreon now. What I will also be doing uh, in the coming future will be to pre-record episodes. In other words, every episode will go on to the subscription service two weeks before they go onto your normal feed so i need to get a few episodes ahead for me to be able to do this um so when i find the time this will be happening um in other words if you are and i know i have some really really loyal listeners and you know i love you guys because you are the ones on my patreon and you are the ones that keep me going um i know that you guys will love this because you will get the episodes two weeks before everybody else does so that is the plan with Apple subscription but like I said do not sign up to it until I know the ins and outs of it hopefully that will be next week if you don't, can't wait but you do want to listen to the extra episodes if you get over to Patreon $5 a month it does exactly the same thing and for those of you who are on Android so that's if you listen to me on um, Spotify on Google Podcasts uh, iHeartRadio anything like that um, these are the ones where you need to to stay on Patreon because unless you have an Apple Podcast app, um, then you will Patreon is there for you guys. I know a lot of you guys refuse to use Apple products. Um, personally, I only use Apple because it benefits my podcast. I don't even use Apple at home, but that's what it's. You know, if you haven't got Apple and you don't want to use Apple Podcasts. You can still support me on this. Um, I do also have PayPal. Um, I have actually had donations from you guys um, who have messaged me privately. And I really, really appreciate that. I can't tell you what that means to me. Um, if, if you are interested, um, it's twihpod at gmail.com. 
That is my uh, email address to contact me. And it is also the podcast email address for PayPal. So if you do want to send me a donation, that would be really, really appreciated. And that is through there. Another quick note before you all disappear and leave me. We have got a new podcast coming out next week. That will be called Absolute Poppycock. We have a name for it. And it is a chat show where we will be discussing completely random news stories and completely random crap mainly from the uk so we are going to have a look at a few international stories especially if they make me or lee laugh they will be on those podcast on that podcast if they are not your cup of tea um we boot we this will be an, an over 18s podcast only um it will be slightly blue slightly sour words to be used um and it might not be for everyone but that should be going live hopefully the first episode should be going out next week on absolute poppycock so keep a lookout for that um i would love to see some of you guys come across and join me and lee on there and have a laugh you know we have a very serious podcast on here um, with the history and lee has a very serious podcast on realm of the supernatural so we thought we'll have a bit of fun and we'll do something together that is a bit more a bit more entertaining a bit more light-hearted and something that you can just enjoy um you know to have a laugh with rather than to actually sit there and learn so hopefully we shall see some of you guys over there but thank you for listening guys and i hope you all remember We all have history. Make yours great. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. The world is always on. But you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. At Mattress Firm's Black Friday Now Sale, save up to 60% on Sealy with queen mattresses starting at $279.99. Talk to a sleep expert today and unjunk your sleep. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an IT guy. Yeah, I'm having trouble logging in. I'm not buying it. Say it again. This time with feeling. I can't log in? Come on, man. I want to feel your struggle. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an IT guy. Yeah, I'm having trouble logging in. I'm not buying it. Say it again. This time with feeling. I can't log in? Come on, man. I want to feel your struggle. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today.